Welcome to the Private School Leader Podcast, where private school leaders learn how to thrive and not just survive at one of the most difficult jobs on earth. I'm your host, Mark Minkus. I want to start today's episode by asking you to use your imagination. I want you to picture your school one year from now, but there will be one major difference between today and one year from today. I want you to imagine your school one year from now if the communication between your teachers and your parents improved significantly. So I'm talking about placing a number between 1 and 10 on your current level of teacher-parent communication, and then think of that number, whatever it is, and then double it. Double that number. So one year from today, your teacher-parent communication has improved significantly. So how would that change your school? What would it mean for student performance and students feeling emotionally safe at school? What would it mean for student retention? What would that mean for parent satisfaction scores on your annual parent survey? And just anything else that you can think of. There's an old saying that a high tide raises all boats. Well, improving teacher-parent communication can be a high tide event for your school. And on today's episode of the Private School Leader Podcast, we are going to talk about the five C's of effective parent communication, which are competence, confidence, care, consistency, and collaboration. But before we do that, you might be saying, okay, Mark, that's all well and good that you're teaching me this information, but it is really my teachers that need to learn this. Well, that's okay. I've got you covered. I wanted to remind you that I've created a free plug-and-play PD for you called The Top 5 Ways to Build Effective Relationships with Difficult Parents. And you can use that with your teachers. It's a 45-minute webinar. It's free. It is a video. It's on my website. It has everything that I taught back in Episode 2 and everything that we're going to talk about on today's episode with the five C's. You can use this free webinar at a faculty meeting or maybe just with an individual teacher that you're trying to coach up in the area of parent communication, and it comes with a PDF of guided notes and discussion questions. All of that is free for you because I want you to help your teachers have better relationships with your parents because the kids are worth it. And you can find all of that over at theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 10. Okay, one last thing before we jump into today's content. Back in episode two, I taught you the top five ways to build effective relationships with difficult parents. If you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and do that. But I wanted to remind you of probably the most important takeaway from that episode, and it is remember the child in the chair. In that episode, I mentioned a time that Dr. Heidi Hayes Jacobs came to our school to conduct a two-day PD on curriculum development. And during her presentation, Dr. Jacobs pulled out a chair, pulled an empty chair to the front of the room, and asked all of us to close our eyes. She then asked us to picture one of our students in that chair. And then she asked us to make a promise that throughout the rest of the PD, that we would continue to ask ourselves the question, what is in the best interest of this particular child? the child in the chair. She asked us to be intentional and prioritize the needs of that child over everything else. So as you listen to the rest of this episode, I want you to view everything that you hear through the lens of what is best for the child in the chair. 
Okay, that was a really, really long intro, so let's get into today's content. The five C's of effective parent communication. Number one is competence. At a subconscious level, all of us make a judgment call about whether or not a person is competent at their job. And that could be the cashier at the local grocery store, the coach of your favorite NFL team, or your first impression of your server when you sit down at a restaurant. It might seem pretty basic, but your parents are subconsciously making judgment calls about your teachers every single day. And they're asking themselves, is this teacher competent? They might not think about it consciously, but subconsciously, they're asking themselves that question often. Well, how can your teachers project competence? I got five things for you to consider. Number one, have your teachers do a great job. Of course they will. You hired them. Of course they're going to work hard and you're going to give them the support that they need and they will do a great job. But a perception of competence is earned and your teachers will earn it every day by showing up and consistently fulfilling their job responsibilities. And number two about how they can project competence is to keep the parent informed. Again, a no-brainer. It sounds like it, but it's not. Your teachers have good intentions when it comes to communication. You and I have good intentions when it comes to parent communication, but then what happens? The tyranny of the urgent gets in the way, and your teachers need to keep up with a lot of things. They need to keep up to date on the homework page and gradebook, the weekly newsletter and classroom expectations. And so your teachers have to meet whatever communication expectations you have for them. Is it a weekly email in lower school or in middle school? Is it an email every time a teacher starts a new unit? We know that we want them to get back within 24 hours. So we need to make our expectations clear and then hold the teachers accountable to keep the parents informed. Keeping parents informed demonstrates competence. Another way to do that, number three, is plenty of notice. So busy working parents can't find out the night before that their child needs to bring in a pound of flour for a school project or wear a costume the next day. When a child needs to bring something to school that a parent may have to purchase, they should know about it at least seven days in advance. Even though it's not true, a parent is going to think that your teacher is incompetent plans things at the last minute and doesn't really care about working parents. That isn't true. We know that isn't true, but that's how they will feel. Lots of notice demonstrates competence. Number four is respond within 24 hours. And I know that your school likely has a policy that a teacher needs to respond to a parent email or phone call within 24 hours. I'm going to tell you something that you already know. So let's say that a parent emails a teacher on a Thursday afternoon about a problem with their child. And on a scale of one to 10, that problem on Thursday afternoon is a three. We'll just say it's a three. If that teacher doesn't respond in a timely fashion, the problem grows. So now let's say it's Monday afternoon and the parent has heard nothing, crickets, uh, about this teacher and this problem, and they're just fuming. And now that problem feels like a six to that parent on a scale of one to 10. The problem is still the exact same problem that it was on Thursday afternoon. It was a three, but it's doubled in size just because the teacher forgot to respond in a timely fashion. And we know that teachers have good intentions. There's 
very rarely is it avoidance, intentional avoidance when this happens. More often, it's because they are very busy and they forgot. So what can you do? Well, you can help your teacher in two ways. First, model it for them. Make sure that you are responding to teacher emails within 24 hours. And then second, make sure that they actually have the time to do the tasks like email and parent phone calls. Sometimes we fill up our teacher's prep periods with meetings or asking them to cover a class for another teacher. And so we just need to pause and zoom out and ask ourselves that question. Is there something that I can do to help make sure that they are able to respond within 24 hours because that demonstrates competence. And the fifth way that a teacher can demonstrate competence is to be settled and organized. Does everything seem last minute and frazzled or is it organized and very settled and calm? Does the teacher project an environment of calm professionalism or of controlled chaos? Personalities definitely come into play here. I get that. So some people are disorganized and scattered by nature, and some are super organized and detail-oriented by nature. But as the leader of your school, you need to help your less organized teachers develop a simple system to make sure they're fulfilling their responsibilities in and out of the classroom. So being organized and settled demonstrates competence. So that's five ways that your teachers can demonstrate competence. All right, so the five C's of effective parent communication, number one is competence, and number two is confidence. All right, at the beginning of today's episode, I asked you to use your imagination, and I'm going to ask you to use it again. So I want you to imagine that you're having some pain in your right ear, and you've gone to see your PCP, and they've checked you out, and your PCP is kind of stumped, and so they refer you to an ear, nose, and throat specialist. So now it's one week later, you still have the pain in your right ear, you arrive at your appointment, it's in an office building, it's on the third floor, about 10 miles from your house, you've never been there before. So you walk into the ear, nose, and throat specialist office, and this is what you see. All of the employees are wearing Hawaiian shirts, cut off shorts, and flip-flops. There's loud music blaring in the reception area, the patient waiting room is filthy, and there are chips and popcorn and half-filled water bottles kind of laying everywhere. And it's also a little dark because about half of the fluorescent lights are burnt out in the waiting area. The receptionist, he has his back to you because he's watching ESPN on a small TV on the counter, and there are three empty beer cans next to the TV. So after saying excuse me for the third time, the receptionist glances your direction and says, what do you want without taking his eyes off the TV? You're standing there, your right ear still hurts, what do you do? I know what I would do. I would turn around and walk right back out that door. The pain in my ear and my hearing are way too important to me to entrust them to some physician that runs an office like that. The more important the service that is provided, the more confidence we want to have in the provider. Okay, if you're multitasking, come back to me. If you're driving, if you're on a run, if you're doing an errand, I'm glad that you're listening to this podcast, but I need you to come back to me because I want to say that again. The more important the service that is provided, the more confidence we want to have in the provider. So think about things like a colonoscopy or a major car repair or a cross-country flight on an airline. Have you ever seen the pilot and thought to yourself, they look awfully young? 
Exactly. So when the stakes are high, you want to have confidence. Now think about this through the lens of the parents at your school and the fact that they send their children there for seven hours a day. Parents want to have confidence in their child's teacher, and that is a reasonable expectation, but your teachers can earn that confidence, and they can do it without doing too much extra. A lot of this is common sense, but let's hit on a few of these things. How can your teachers earn the confidence of the parents? Number one, act like a professional. We have respect for people that are very professional in how they go about their business, and teaching is no different. Your teachers want the parents to have confidence in them and to respect them as professionals. They've earned and they deserve that respect, but they must present themselves as professionals. Write like a professional with grammar and spelling and sentence structure and the tone of the communication. Speak like a professional, avoiding slang and profanity and just overly casual communication. And dress like a professional. And this is a no-brainer, but appropriate attire for work has become increasingly more complex and more casual over the last 10 to 15 years. And I'll just leave it to you to make sure that you have guidelines for professional attire in your employee handbook. And if they haven't been revised in a while, I'd encourage you to take a look and involve some trusted employees at your school and make sure that different ages and different genders are represented but make sure you have those guidelines that they're up to date and then just refer your teachers to those guidelines and then just make sure that they are following them. And so dress like a professional. Okay. So number one under how do they earn confidence was act like a professional. And number two is be self-assured and friendly, be self-assured and friendly and simply courtesy, empathy, and compassion are heavy hitters here. And so just being self-assured, being friendly. Number three is to be assertive. That word assertive, I think it's a bad rap. The Cambridge Dictionary says someone who is assertive behaves confidently and is not frightened to say what they want or believe. And I saw it written somewhere recently that assertive is halfway between a passive pushover and being an aggressive bully. So neither of those extremes is a good idea, but we know that if a private school teacher is not assertive that they're probably going to have footprints on their back that look exactly like the shoes of the parents at your school. So private school teachers need to learn how to be assertive and they need your support in doing that. Parents have more confidence in an assertive teacher than in a teacher that is a pushover. I know that they might think that they want that teacher to be a pushover, but they have more respect for someone who's professional and assertive. Okay, number four on how they can earn confidence of the parent. Maintain professional distance. In the age of social media, it's become very complex for teachers to maintain professional distance. Should a teacher be Facebook friends with a parent or follow them on Instagram? Should a teacher's Facebook page and Instagram be public or private? What about Twitter? There are no easy answers to this question. And there are also teachers whose kids attend your school. Therefore, they are friends with the parents of their own children's friends. This is complex, but my only advice is to encourage your teachers to use wisdom, to not discuss school issues in social settings, and to try to always wear the teacher hat at school and to leave that teacher hat at school. Okay, then the fifth way to earn confidence of the parents is to initiate 
initiate. The first contact with a parent, we know this, it should always be positive, and the teacher will get much more support in the future if those communications have to be a little bit more difficult to hear later on down the road. If the first time that they're hearing from them is something negative, then it's not a partnership. It is more likely to be adversarial. I always tell my teachers, if you're probably going to speak with them anyways, just reach out first. And teachers have pretty good wisdom as to when it's time to email or to pick up the phone. But as private school leaders, we really need to encourage them to do that. If they're kind of on the fence about it, we need to lean towards reaching out. If there's a problem and your teacher knows the problem, they have to reach out to the parent first. And I'll just say I've known a teach I've never known a teacher to regret proactively reaching out to a parent about a school issue, and I've known dozens and dozens of teachers that have regretted not reaching out sooner. So, you want your teachers to know that they have the confidence of the parents. They should act like a professional, be self-assured and friendly, be assertive, maintain professional distance, and initiate. And quickly, before we get to number three on this list, I just wanted to remind you that you can teach your teachers the five C's of effective communication. I mentioned at the top of the episode that I've created a video webinar that has everything from episode two, which was the top five ways to build build effective relationships with difficult parents, and it has the five C's in it. So this video webinar is going to be... Um, on my website, and I'll remind you again at the end of the episode how you can grab that. So I know this is a lot of content, and I hope it's something that you can use at your school, and I want you to have that free resource. All right, the five C's of effective parent communication. Number one is competence. Number two is confidence. Number three is care. Of course your teachers care about their students. They wouldn't be doing this job if they didn't. But parents have to know deep down that this teacher cares for my child and will keep them emotionally safe and physically safe. It is a question at the core of every parent's being. Will you keep my child safe? Teddy Roosevelt once said, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And that applies here and it applies in many places in our private schools. So what does that look like? that someone cares about the child. Well, of course, there are dozens, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of ways, but here are three quick, easy ones. First of all, number one, notice things. A quick email when the child is absent that says, we missed Eli at school today, and I hope that he feels better soon, is tremendous because the teacher does miss Eli and does hope that he feels better, but that moment that it takes to send that quick email makes a huge difference in showing that they care about the child. Your teachers are really busy, but these little check-ins or updates make all the difference, and that's especially true if the child or the family is experiencing something challenging. All right, number two, show respect. Treating children with respect should be a no-brainer, but we know that there are certain times when we're not at our best, like a Friday afternoon when that child has been getting on the teacher's last nerve all day long. So, Support them, but also hold your teachers accountable when you see an inappropriate interaction between that teacher and a child. Don't just slough it off and be like, okay, well, she must have been having a bad day or he must have been having a bad day. It may 
be support for a student. It may be encouraging them to come in one hour late the next day so that they can check on their elderly parent. You have to find out what is going on with that teacher, especially if this is out of character for them, so that you can uh, encourage them to do something to take care of themselves or take care of that situation in their lives that's causing that stress so that they can get back to the uh, behavior that you're used to seeing from that teacher. And then the third way to show care is to have a predictable mood. I just said a moment ago, we're not always at our best. And children crave predictability. They feel emotionally unsafe when they don't know how their teacher is going to react in different situations. Let me say that again. Children crave predictability. You already know that. Kids feel emotionally unsafe when they don't know how their teacher is going to react. So support your teachers by letting them vent about frustrations that could cause their mood to fluctuate. And as I just mentioned, find out what those stresses are and help them to reduce that stress. Okay, we're learning the five C's of effective parent communication. Number one is competence. Number two, confidence. Number three is care. Number four is consistency. So consistency. Parents want ongoing feedback about academics and social-emotional progress. That makes sense. But here's the thing I want to talk about for a moment. I want to talk about the narrative void. If your parents don't create a narrative about themselves and about their care for the child and about how on top of things they are and about the academic progress of the child and the social-emotional progress. I'm not saying they need to send an email every day, but if they don't create a narrative that they're on top of it, that they communicate regularly, that they know what's going on and that they'll keep the parent informed. If the teacher does not create a narrative, the parent will create their own narrative. And that will happen from dinner table conversations, what they hear from the back seat in the carpool lane, and the parent text group, and they will fill that narrative void with their own information. And the other thing is that teachers really, really have to avoid what I call leave them alone and zap them, or the no surprises rule that we have at our school. If there's no con, if there's no communication and it's just crickets and it's radio silence, then all of a sudden it's an email or a phone call about a problem that causes a big reaction on the parent. And also whether it's a grade on the report card that is a huge surprise, it's just that idea of regular communication over a period of time is so much better than the leave them alone and zap them, the radio silence, the narrative void, the surprises. Teachers with consistency in their communication avoid all of those things. Okay, we're up to number five, collaboration. This one might be a little tough for your teachers to hear, but the parent is the expert on their own child. Your teachers are the experts on how to teach math and phonics. Your teachers are the experts on classroom management and that child's social emotional development at school. Your teachers know the child's reading level and the best placement for them in middle school math. That's all true. But the parent has spent more time with that child than any teacher at school and they know the child's temperament habits, preferences, triggers. As difficult as what I'm about to say may sound, it is an absolute game changer when it comes to teacher-parent relationships. Teachers need to acknowledge the parent's expertise on their knowledge of their own child and then ask questions about that knowledge. So let me hit you with that again. 
teachers need to acknowledge the parent's expertise on their knowledge of their own child and ask questions about that knowledge. Your teachers will be amazed at how this will change the dynamic of parent-teacher conferences or any parent-teacher interaction, and I've actually seen it reduce the dynamic of uh, adversarial uh, interactions if the teacher acknowledges that expertise. What I've seen over the past 30 years, especially over the last 10 years, is that the more your teachers acknowledge that expertise and knowledge of their child outside of school, the more that most parents will acknowledge the teacher's expertise inside the school and that partnership will grow. So what are the big takeaways from today's episode? Well, we did the five C's of effective parent communication. Number one is competence. Your teachers can demonstrate competence by doing a great job, keeping parents informed, giving plenty of notice, and being organized. Number two, confidence. Your teachers can earn the confidence of your parents by acting like a professional, being self-assured, friendly, and assertive, and by maintaining professional distance. Number three is care. Your parents will know that their child's teacher cares for them when they notice the little things, show respect, and have a predictable mood. Number four, consistency. Parents need regular feedback. If the teacher does not proactively create a narrative about themselves, the parents will create the narrative about that teacher. Number five, collaboration. Teachers need to acknowledge the parent's expertise on their knowledge of their own child and ask questions about that knowledge. All right, today's call to action. Go to theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 10 and get the plug and play PD called the top five ways to build effective relationships with difficult parents. That includes the five C's. You can use this with your teachers. As I said before, it's a 45 minute webinar with everything here and everything from episode two. You could use it as a fac- at a faculty meeting, maybe with an individual teacher or with your new teachers as part of your onboarding and induction program. It comes with a PDF of guided notes and discussion questions, and all that is free for you. I just want you to use it and help your teachers have better relationships with your parents so that the kids benefit because the kids are worth it. So again, you can find all of that at theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 10. All right, let's wrap it up. I hope you got value from this episode. The Private School Leader Podcast exists to help you thrive and not just survive at one of the most difficult jobs on earth, your role as a private school leader. From one private school leader to another, I know you have very specific issues that you face as you serve your private school. And my goal is to take my 30 years of experience and help you with the things that I wish I had known and help you learn from the mistakes that I made in the past. And I've created a free resource for you called the six things that every private school teacher wants from their leader. And this guide is a six page PDF that could be a game changer for you. I really believe that. And I guarantee you that if you do these six things and do them well, the teachers at your school will be happy to follow you. And you can pick up that free guide by going to the privateschoolleader.com slash guide. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. And you can find the show notes for today's episode by going to theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 10. A new episode of the Private School Leader podcast comes out every week on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
You can connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by looking for at the private school leader. And if you got value from this episode, please share it with other leaders or aspiring leaders at your school. I've been your host, Mark Minkus, and I just want to say that I appreciate you and the amazing work that you're doing as you serve the children and the teachers and the parents at your private school. Thanks so much for taking some of your precious time to join me here today, and I'll see you next time on the Private School Leader Podcast. And until then, always remember to serve first, lead second, and make a difference.